0: I have a story I want to tell you of a little girl that was eight years old. I read this story. And she, her family was expecting company. So she was outside waiting. Hopefully, her chores had been done inside. She's outside waiting when the car rolls up. And um, the couple gets out of the car, and they say, you must be so-and-so's child. AND SHE SAYS, YEAH, SO GLAD TO MEET YOU. AND THEN SHE GOES OVER AND TAKES THEIR HAND, IN BOTH OF HER HANDS, AND SAID, HOW WAS YOUR TRIP? IS THAT YOUR CHILD? I, I KNOW IT WASN'T... MY CHILDREN WOULD NOT HAVE DONE THAT, AND I DON'T THINK I EVER DID THAT. AND WHAT THEY SAW IN HER WAS, um, thoughts of others. She was just genuinely interested in them. And I'll never forget that story because that just pictures what our children can be. And of course we want to know how to implant that in their heart to be thinking of others and to reflect Jesus. Um, What would that look like in our classrooms if we had children polite, courteous and helpful and all those things, wouldn't they be wonderful classrooms? Well, we've been given counsel in the spirit of prophecy and in God's Word, and there is a simple plan. This counsel is available to us, and I want to mention that if you go to, can you hear me yet? If you go to True Education, you. Lonnie and I, my husband and I had to put in the www. normally you don't, and then it worked, true.education. You will get um, Pattern Life website, and then you can click on reference. And there's a a large list of the council in an organized manner. So we have council, and we have God's Holy Spirit. So, let's pray before we begin, let's bow our heads and pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name who we will be carefully looking at today and I just pray for the Holy Spirit that you've promised in its fullness to come into our minds and show you those things that we need to know and remember. And just take over my words. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Can you interrupt for just a moment? We can move this Um, forward. It it sounds like maybe some people are having a hard time understanding and and hearing in the back. Um those of you that are in the back, are you are you hearing okay? No. Okay. I got an idea then. Let's move to the front. (laughs) 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 Um because um that I, I thought you might have a well, That's why those, those blue things are there on the on rows, because I thought you might have a hard time hearing at the corners of the room. So why don't you come forward so that, um, so that you can hear better? Do these speakers work with microphones? Um, possibly. I don't know that they would ever try it, and I don't know that we have a microphone either. So those of you in the back in the last two rows, why don't you come forward, please? And then if you want to go down here, welcome to that. You're welcome to to there so that um, so that you can hear. And you can come down here. Um, one will only knock you around once or twice. And as the speakers are speaking, uh, feel so free to, to fill in those. Uh, those posters too. Put some, down some things on your poster so that we got some notes. Um, also, one more thing: if you have, if you have Somebody questions, comments, no. things like that, um, be uh, feel free to you, know, you know bring honey. those to any of the presenters individually, or you know raise your hand and say something so that we're we're talking about stuff that interests you. All right, Jeanne, maybe just uh, say a few words, and let's see if people can hear now.
0: Can you hear me now? A little? <laughs>
1: I'm right in the back, can you guys hear okay? Can you hear? All right, okay, very good.
0: Okay, we are going to start with um, Joseph and Mary were leaving Egypt excitedly, headed with their little boy back home and they were going to go to Bethlehem. That's the city of David, right? And Jesus is to be the King of Israel, and so they're headed to Bethlehem, but an angel intervened and said, No, no, you don't want to live in Bethlehem. Go back to Nazareth. What do we know about Nazareth? Well, we know it was wicked, but it was a country home. Bethlehem would not have been that country home, and that's what I want to talk about. Beginning with Jesus' life, his father put him in a country home, because he knew the importance of that. So probably for us, and we probably all know that, right? We need a country home. Now it is a process, Lonnie and I have been in a process. I, uh, thinking about this, I, I laugh at what we thought was a country home. It meant woods in the back, neighbors on both sides. I, I now know you want a bit of land so that your children are not being pulled this way and pulled that way. And, and, and so it's a process. Be, um, just give it to the Lord. He will be with you even if you're not in your dream country home and maybe we'll never be in our dream country home. I know Carrie and Rob have been trying for a long time. (laughs) I don't even, but they're going to a country home now when they go to Nicaragua, right? Anyway, why would they, why would God want them in a country home? It would be for nature and that's what Jesus did. He spent time in nature. but. Um, Speaking of a country home, I want to tell a story about my daughter when she came to our country home. She was coming from Desert Hot Springs, correct? In California, had taken the massage therapy course and um, kind of enjoyed that setting. But we had a one-way ticket. (laughs) Well, it wasn't a one-way ticket. It had been two-way, and now we didn't want to lose it. We told her we don't want to waste it. You need to come home. And she wanted to stay after she finished her course. So, reluctantly, she came home. When she got off that plane, allergies hit her. She was just, just nose running. She felt miserable, didn't want to just just so upset she was in Tennessee. And then she went to Walmart on the first of the month, and a lot of people come to Walmart in the first of the month, Um, and she saw, I don't know, she saw this young man with long unkempt hair and no teeth, and that did it. She said, how am I ever going to find A young man and she just cried she was miserable but she started going outside first thing in the morning when the sun's coming up and jogging and where we live we're in a little holler but the moment you climb out of that holler there's this beautiful panoramic view of the Smokies and so she's out there every morning in nature seeing the Smokies and I think maybe after only a week, or she said, Mom, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm here because that sense of being in nature and surrounded with what you think of God when you're in nature and not in the city, she, she realized that. I'll never forget that. That's the power of surrounding yourself with nature. So Jesus is now in a country home. And, But he's in a wicked city or town, little village. We know God would not want us to have homes in a wicked village, right? Um, But why would God send him there? Well, because God wanted us to not have an excuse He preserved his son. I had a quote on that. I'm moving along here. I need to get some of my quotes. Okay. Okay. So it says As far as possible, let the children from the earliest years be placed where this wonderful lesson book shall be open. In no other way can the foundation of a true education be so firmly laid. So that's why God sent them into the country. But, um, let me see. Something's... There's one quote I'm wanting to find here. Okay. Well, I'm going to go back, back on the country home before we go to the Wicked City. And God said for our schools to be in the country. And when we were at Weimar, I discovered this wonderful description of the schools. Avondale School was the pattern school, and... It describes why the school's to be in the country. This is the beautiful description of what it should be. Said that the light given me is that all that section of land, Avondale, should become a farm and a park, beautiful with fragrant flowers, ornamental trees. There should be orchards and every kind of produce should be cultivated that's adapted to the soil that this place may become an object lesson to those living close by and afar off. Wow. Then, oh, I didn't advance it, did I, Lonnie? Then let everything not essential to the work of the school be kept at a distance. Wow. That the sacredness of the place may not be disturbed because of the proximity of families and buildings. Let the school stand alone. It will be better for private families devoted as they are in the service of the Lord to be located a distance. THE SCHOOL IS THE LORD'S PROPERTY, AND THE GROUNDS AROUND IT ARE HIS FARM, WHERE THE GREAT SOWER CAN MAKE HIS GARDEN A LESSON BOOK. WOW. SO WE WANT OUR CHILDREN NOT TO BE LOOKING AT OTHER HOMES, NOT OTHER KIDS AT THE HOMES, BUT JUST AT THE GARDENS AROUND THE SCHOOL AND THE ORCHARDS. WHAT A PICTURE. YOU NEED LOTS OF LAND FOR THAT. THAT'S GOD'S IDEAL. Okay, now I want to talk about Wicked Nazareth and the associations that that could be. And I mentioned, okay, that Christ is our example In all things, but God did not, God selected this place for Christ. He didn't. So we know that. But children can sometimes use this as an excuse, thinking of their background. Well, they were raised in a bad environment. But when Christ was raised in this bad environment, there's some principles here. Through a life of industry, keeping his hands employed, he did not invite temptation because he kept himself busy and he kept aloof from the society of those whose influence was corrupting. So there's two things. He kept busy and he avoided those that would influence him in a wrong manner. So let the youth be placed in the most favorable circumstances for the company they keep, the principles they adopt, the habits they form will settle the question of their usefulness here and of their future eternal interest with a certainty that's infallible. That's kind of strong language. Our association for our children is an incredibly important um, study and, you know, topic. And there's another thing that's included in this same quote, Um, I guess it's another reference. Thinking of these associations, read that last, I want to read that last line, I wish I could make the youth see and feel their danger, especially the danger of making unhappy marriages. I know we're talking about Jesus, and Jesus never could have a family. But the same principle is there when you start those early associations um, and you continue those associations. That's the beginning of um, learning the principles of choosing good friends, standing for the right. And if you haven't, by the time you're choosing a spouse, um, you might choose the wrong one. And that goes back to obedience in those beginning years so that you will listen to your parents and the choice of your friendships. And I thought of Isaac. We know the story of Isaac, it was incredible. At 30, he let the servant go select a mate. Um, And here in Patriarchs and Prophets it says, I'll read the underline, Isaac's deference to his father's judgment was the result of the training that had taught him to love, a life of obedience. So he just accepted. Abraham's decision, but it starts very young. The child respects your wisdom and accepts your decisions for their friends. And one more, Um, it is wrong to allow children at some expense to visit at a distance unaccompanied by their parents or guardians. It has a wrong influence on the children. Young visitors who have not a parent's watchful eye over them to see and correct their faults often receive impressions which it will take months to remove. Now, I know personally, I had that happen. And it's very hard. Your kids want friends. You want friends for them. And looking back, the parents have to just involve themselves with their children all the time and be with them when they're with other children. That's just how it is in those early years. Um, Even, she says, especially from the age of 10 to 18, they are inclined to feel that there can be no harm in going to worldly gatherings of young associates. Wow! (laughs) That's what it says. And then I found this, when Christ was going to um, Jerusalem for the Passover that first time at the age of 12, He did not keep company with the light and trifling children and youth who were to be found among the people. Why? Because he was thinking, seeking to understand the real reason of things, just as any youth may seek to understand the significance of the words and works of God. Wow. Um, are those your children? It's that was Jesus. At 12, Jesus knew who he was, but that didn't happen overnight, and that's why I pull out some of these things that laid the foundation so he understood at 12 who he was, what God's mission was for him. Okay, one other point when you're choosing this home in the country um, are you aware that you don't want it near family sorry Sarah (laughs) Trisha and I live near each other half an hour um, and it's not saying it's wrong but it's saying there can be problems because The little things that the family will forgive and forget, you have to, you know, you're there together every hour. The extended family is going to remember it and they're going to favor their child and remember it and remember it and it's just harder. Um, Just wanted to share that counsel with you. Okay. We are now going to look at Jesus and his mom and dad and see what they did from the very beginning to train their, their child. We know that Jesus sat at the feet of his mother while she read the scriptures to him. And I am sure father was a part of that picture because Jewish families had been told from the very beginning that it was a parent's duty, not a stranger, to teach the prophecies and the law and the sacred history. So that's what Jesus focused on. Um, And that's why I have this thought here about worship. We must have worship families, morning and evening, seven days a week, We cannot go out the door without asking the Lord's protection and at the end of the day thanking him for his care. um, It's hard to do seven days a week in the busyness of our lives. I actually had that in my home. So I guess what you see in your own home you often have a better chance of desiring to do it in, in, uh, your, when you have families. And there's some counsel on that. You should not be governed by circumstances, not to pray occasionally when you have a large day's work, to do, neglect it, and thus doing, you lead your children to look on prayer as of no special consequence. Now, for the sake of time, I'll move to the next one. In our efforts for the comfort and happiness of our guests, let us not overlook our obligations to God. The hour of prayer should not be neglected for any consideration. And do not talk and amuse yourself till all are too weary to enjoy the season of prayer. Now, Lonnie and I do have the bad habit of waiting just before bedtime for us now that the children are gone and maybe that's okay but I know when my children were in their teens they're wanting to go to bed maybe daddy's still doing things we had a harder time for that evening time and I've thought about that and thought maybe right after supper or say six o'clock have worship and then if the family has other things to do, they can do that for those older children. I don't know, Carrie, if you had uh, thoughts on that, what you did in your family when everybody's going different directions?
1: It's been a while. I don't it's been remember. a while. I'm so sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we struggle with that. We're waiting for Daddy, you know, and Daddy's, you yeah, you get your mind focused and anyway. But um, when the kids left home, Lonnie and I started having worship together. We hadn't, and what a blessing. Of course, we had worship with the kids, but okay. And then dads, it said, as heads of the family, plan, well, I, I put in the plan. To make the hour of worship intensely interesting, by a little thought, careful preparation, when we come into the presence of God, family worship can can be made pleasant. Now I think we're very fortunate to have some excellent lessons from My Bible First. I don't know if you're all familiar with My Bible First Bible lessons. I've been using them in the primary division for years and they just seem to get better and better. Um, And and so you don't have to take a lot of preparation sometimes. Friday night, Sabbath, you would want to do some more preparation, but we do have those lessons and that makes it easier in our busy schedules. Okay, another thought, you've probably heard this sentence, Jesus, I put in Jesus where it's underlined, Um, his life, let's see, I'll read that underlined, his quiet and simple life and even the silence of the scriptures concerning his early years teach an important lesson and I always thought when it said a simple life, Well, that wasn't rushing around. They just had a schedule and they weren't going here and there and every day did the same things. But this is what it meant. Jesus shunned display. During all the years of his stay in Nazareth, he made no exhibition of his miraculous power. He sought no high position and assumed no titles. So... She's saying there was no notice drawn to Jesus. And I had some thoughts on that. There's a little booklet my Bible first puts out. I'll show you. Are you still hearing, Rob? Is it still hard? Uh,
1: it, it's, you can hear it, it
0: There's a booklet I found, Jesus the Child and Youth. It just pulled together some counsel from Youth Instructor and found in my Bible First catalog. And in there they mention that parents, we praise our children too much. When we have that first child, I did it. I go back and read Christmas letters and I'm just bragging about this little girl that talks at two and, you know, we're just, we're just awed at this child. But that can destroy the child. Um, And that's what she means by that simple life. Don't allow visitors and people to praise on your child and don't do it yourself. Encourage, yes. Encourage character qualities. You're such a helper. That was kind, but not how pretty you are or how smart you are or any of those things. We can destroy our children. There was a whole article in the Youth Instructor on that. Very sobering. So Jesus grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him." What a picture. Okay, so we know that the mother and the father in Jesus' life were his only parents. Well, is that what we're supposed to do? Be the only parents? Well, a little later I'll mention the how long we have counsel for that. But those first eight to ten years. Well, here it is, sorry. Teachers. What? The
1: only teachers.
0: What did I say? The only parents?
1: You said the only,
0: parents. <laughs> only yeah, only teachers. For the first eight to ten years. You've all heard that? Um That's a hard one when you have a very bright, active child to occupy them. And when your friends are over there learning how to read, it's really hard. But this is what we've been counseled, so she says, you know, that the... Advance it. Oh, sorry. There we go. That the, um, sh- the first eight or ten years of a child should be the, in the field, or the garden is the best schoolroom, the mother the best teacher, nature the best lesson book. We probably have all heard that, read that, but I wanted to answer the question okay, while they're home and not put in school, can we do any academics? Well, here it helped to understand during the first six or seven years special attention should be given to its physical training rather than the intellect. After this period, if the physical constitution is good, the education of both should receive attention. Infancy in the spirit of prophecy is six to seven years. When she uses that word infancy, that's six to seven years. Um, and the last sentence there says, the children genuine, generally will be inquisitive to learn the things of nature. They will ask questions in regard to things they see and hear. And we have to, for the sake of space, we put an ellipsis in there, but um, the mother can then answer those questions when they ask That's when they have the most interest. Okay, before we go on to the first lesson to be learned, I want to share something that Mr. Montag shared with me that really stood out to me. He read this little thought here. The years of early childhood are the time to prepare the soil. Once the emotions have been aroused, a sense of the beautiful, the excitement of the new and the unknown, a feeling of sympathy, pity, admiration, and love, then we wish for knowledge about the object of our emotional response. Once found, it has lasting meaning. So when we have the interest of the child in what we want to teach them, they'll remember it much better. They'll want to know it. And we don't want to destroy that desire to learn, that sense of wonder by just loading them with adult information that probably a lot of it didn't even need it to be learned <laughs> And then another thing I wanted to mention, the reason we now know from research, and maybe Mr. Montag might be mentioning that, is that we know the brain does not develop completely until, I think it's about, well, 8 to 10. And even though you can learn these academics, um, the brain has to adapt to that and that adapting is a permanent um... what would we say change it would be best to wait till the brain both hemispheres of the brain are both developed um... and here's another thing they have learned the eyes of most children are permanently damaged before age twelve if they really have to focus so for a long time so i've heard the thought Maybe a half an hour or less. Do you know, Carrie? No, I don't. But keep those things in mind. Um, and maybe you all believe all these things and you wouldn't be tempted. <laughs> but another thing is the peer pressure. The sooner that child's with other children to socialize them, the less confidence they have in their parents. They can't think and reason at that age, before 8 to 10, the things their parents have been telling them, the things their friends, little friends tell them, and they they will just want to do what the kids do. That's just how it works. Um, And their sense of, of value and worth is not developed by being in the school or with their friends at those young ages. It's by being in a home where, where there's a team and they feel a part of that team and needed in that team. So there's some good reasons God gave us that counsel. Um, okay, so what do we do during those eight to ten years? at home well obedience we all know that don't we is the first lesson but that doesn't that just it's day after day after day you are training the reason why in their heart we do these things we ask these things and putting that knowledge so that they see um, God's Love and giving us this knowledge, so we won't, we will know that true happiness that comes from obedience to, to His laws. And I want to say something about how you teach that obedience, self-control. Um, Mrs. White says here. Well, I, I covered that. Okay. My husband's telling me to advance, but I think I... Yeah, okay, I'm sorry about that. I wanted to say something about this obedience. You know, there's... And self-control. There's three things I think we can do to make that easier. Well, we should make obedience easy, help the child. But we can have a schedule and regularity. From day one, when you bring that child home, mommy's in charge of schedule, not baby. Um, And that doesn't mean you're just totally inflexible, but you know your child's needs, and you set those patterns so that you have rested children. You have happy babies, and you have happy children. When they know when that meal's going to be served, when they're gonna, bedtime is, they're rested. That helps greatly in obedience. And many studies have been done, the lack of sleep children have nowadays, they cannot learn when you're chronically tired. So watch those bedtimes and set your schedule beginning the night before. Then you'll know when you need to get up the next day and have a real consistency during the day. Children, I think, feel very safe. In a schoolroom, teachers have a schedule. You have to. (laughs) You can't take 10 kids without a schedule. And I think um, we all, parents, are tempted at home when they're little maybe not to have that schedule. Very important. And here's what Mrs. White said. The observance of temperance and regularity in all things has a wonderful power. It will do more than circumstances or natural endowments in promoting that sweetness and serenity of disposition which counts so much in smoothing life's pathway. At the same time, the power of self-control thus acquired will be found one of the most valuable of equipments for grappling successfully with the stern duties and realities that await every human being. Wow, we don't realize some of these simple things we can do helps us in our life of obedience. And then we are told in Desire of Ages, Jesus was not reckless with his health. That's another area that helps learn self-control is temperance. A child that has indigestion or that's overstimulated by food that they've had, um, it's hard for them to be obedient. Um, And I have a little something I want to share about a probation officer that discovered this. This lady discovered she wasn't feeling good herself. And she came across a book that described a very natural diet, whole foods, whole grains. And so she got off of the junk foods and she went on the whole foods, whole grains, and she just felt totally better. And she had this thought. When she um, was talking to this youth that she had to deal with, Because she was a probation officer. What if the diet would make a difference in those youth? And you probably all know. It was incredible what happened. And she found out that the diet of the youth, they were consuming 50 to 150 teaspoons of sugar daily. Now, that sounds like a lot, but we have sugar in everything, even salt. So to avoid sugar is pretty hard and it adds up. So 50 to 150 teaspoons of sugar daily and the result of um, the symptoms on low blood sugar, which is what they would have, this hypoglycemia, was irritability, uncontrollable thoughts and emotions, short fuse, depression, suicidal tendencies, insomnia, phobias, violence and aggression. Wow. So she had these um, children, youth, go off of that diet and it was just amazing. And then she got permission to do this in a school that was nearby and they got rid of the vending machines, just put water, serve vegetables at lunch, breakfast was um, a bagel, fruit and just a simple drink and it was amazing. This is what happened. The effect on the students was almost instantaneous with a calmer, more peaceful atmosphere from the very beginning. Not even any shoving in the hall. Shortly, the principals were able to report zero dropouts, expulsions, drugs, weapons, and suicides. All that ended. (laughs) I find that incredible. The academic achievement also improved considerably. Wow. Well we know these things, don't we? Watch the diet. I know as a family we would reread and reread. Cause when you, you you remember it vaguely, but when you reread it and it's in front of you, then it convicts. And read it with your children when they get older. For my children, because I got rheumatoid arthritis real early and changed my diet hoping it would help, they were on a very (laughs) strict diet but you know when you went to potluck you thought of course you'd say oh wow potluck good I don't have to eat the food at home and I remember it was in their youth, we watched some videos by Dane and Vicki Griffith, Griffin. Griffin, and they were very visual. <laughs> they had the dairy, the scene for the dairy and the cows being milked and oh, it was very visual, and that was it. That did it. In their youth, they both made a decision. It no longer was mommy and daddy's decision. And it's still, it's hard. But I know today that's their desire. That's where they want to be, is eating God's food and making it simple and healthful. Profound effect on our children. Okay, here's a promise. Let mothers come to Jesus with their perplexities. They will find grace sufficient to aid them in the management of their children. The gates are open for every mother who would lay her burdens at the Savior's feet. He who said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, still invites the mothers to lead up their little ones to be blessed by him. And this is what I love even the babe in his mother's arms may dwell under the shadow of the Almighty through the faith of the praying mother. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from his birth. If we will live in communion with God, we too may expect the Divine Spirit to mold our little ones even from their earliest moments. Now, I've been talking about those early years. I know many of you have older children, and we'll get to that later. I know Beatrice will. But that's the foundation. Those habits those first eight years are so important. I only finished half what I was going to say for today. It's now 11, right? And... Six minutes and- Six minutes? Okay. (laughs) Here's a good question to ask. When you are in the middle of conflict, having to deal with your child, learn to instantly, before you react, Lord, what would you have me to do? And engage with the Holy Spirit. And pray the Lord, Holy Spirit will engage your child. And I wish I had known that. I think I did much of my parenting in the flesh. I knew what God said, and I was going to do it. <laughs> it doesn't work that way.
1: This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio,